Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, beginning in chapter 14. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. For we do not live to ourselves, and we do not die to ourselves. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we all will stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us will be held accountable. Let us, therefore, no longer pass judgment on one another, but resolve instead never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother or sister. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. So my mother always told me I should always start my sermon with a joke. So in her honor... Here's one. A rabbi and a Roman Catholic priest were sitting next to each other at an interfaith event. When dinner was served, someone thoughtlessly had placed a slab of ham on the rabbi's plate. The rabbi did not protest, but simply proceeded to eat other things his faith and physician permitted. The Roman Catholic priest leaned over in the direction of the rabbi and said, Rabbi Cohen, you and I know the dietary laws from the Old Testament were developed at a time when pork meat was indeed dangerous due to lack of refrigeration and low heat in cooking. Of course, trichinosis was rampant, and your ancestors in the faith were right in prohibiting eating pork in order to save the lives of many Israelites. Those days are gone. Pork is safe, and there's no reason to cling to outmoded ancient practices. When will you eat your first mouthful of ham, Rabbi Cohen? Rabbi paused briefly, then responded, At your wedding, Father McGuire. At your wedding. (laughs) 
I've spent some time this week rereading Paul's letter to the Romans in, in part to get caught up on my covenant Bible study from the lesson I missed. Good old Paul and I have a fraught relationship. Okay, it's really a one-sided fraught relationship. He has some wonderful things to say. I mean, Martin Luther's life was transformed by reading Romans and studying it. I love what he says, what Paul says about spiritual gifts and running the race set before us. But he also has some things to say that make me want to throw his letters across the room. I so vehemently oppose what he is saying. But then a bit of an off-color joke, and I won't say it in the sermon, um, came across my social media this week about biblical interpretation. And now in 2,000 years, folks reading similar phrases with very different meanings will just not get the joke due to the subtlety of language and how things can get lost in translation. As Rob Klein is known to say, words have meaning. It doesn't even take a millennium or two. Sometimes it's an ocean that can change the meaning of language. After all, British humor lands very differently than American humor. I remember being in Cuba on one Saturday about a year ago when Osvaldo, dear Osvaldo, was teaching English to Luyano church members and friends. He was teaching them about English idioms and their meaning. And it occurred to me that language learning is so much harder when you don't grow up surrounded by the contextual clues and meaning. I only speak English despite studying for years in high school of German. I ended up knowing one phrase that did well in a bakery, ein Stück das, a piece of that, whatever that was in the bakery case. But since I only speak English, I have enormous respect for those Cubans who received their doctorates in Russia, having learned multiple language and having the capacity to have deep intellectual discussions in a second or a third language. I was humbled by their abilities. And I am humbled by those of you in this room who have mastered multiple languages as well. When I was away last month in Montana preparing worship for the season, I took time to look at the lectionary Bible passages laid out for each Sunday and determined which ones were speaking to me. For this Cuba Sunday, the lectionary passage that grabbed me was from Paul's letter to the Romans. The major theme of this passage was Paul telling the congregation in Rome not to judge one another. When passages of scripture grab me, it is more often than I care to admit that I personally wrestle with this issue. And I wanted to explore the, the, what the Bible is saying about it. True confession time. I can be judgmental at times. My guess is I might not be alone in that. While it may be pervasive, it is most decidedly not a good thing. Questions I overheard recently that could be deemed judgmental. How come the Illini turn over the ball so much? Why aren't they in school? Why do they dress like that? Why do they park in a handicapped space? They don't look disabled. What was she wearing? Can't they keep their kids quiet? Why do they drive a gas-guzzling van? Don't they care about global warming? Why is that music so loud? She's a stay-at-home mom. How come she's not nursing her baby? How come folks drive up to a food pantry in big new cars? Where are the parents? Can't they behave? 
Ah, but according to whose standards? And who says we get to cast judgment on others? I mean, many of us do it, but Paul says something else. A week ago, I participated in a local 5K race called Run to Remember. The first one was held on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And the uh, following days, there were letters to the editor about why there were people cheering and running a race on September 11th. And uh, the thing was that the, the folks that were cheering, or at least in this particular instance, uh, this block, uh, they were the friends and family of a young man who had died tragically earlier that year, and they wanted to remember him and celebrate him because he was an 18-year-old full of life. Well, the thing that I like about this particular race is that there's a moment of silence before we race in order to hold memory of those that we have loved and lost. Plus, there's bibs on the backs of runners with names of loved ones they miss that they whose loss they carry with them, literally, on their back. See, I think the thing is, we all too often have such tunnel vision that we forget that we are not the only ones with wounds of loss. Each one is carrying loss around with them, and these deep wounds are invisible. On Monday of this nationwide welcome week, celebrating our immigrant brothers and sisters, we here hosted an international game night. There were congregation members, folks from the Campus Y Immigration Services, some of our English language learners. And while we may not have understood each other's languages, we sure understood the smiles and the laughter. I was so glad I went and I got thinking about those who told me they didn't think it was appropriate to play games on September 11th. I found the spontaneous laughter I heard such sweet balm in a hurting world. It is rather interesting that Paul, who has plenty of harsh words to say about, well, the one that gets me the most is whether women should be allowed to speak in church <laughs> and who should or should not marry. Well, that one gets me too. But Paul has a message about coming together and not to pass judgment on one another. Christine, Christine Chikoyan wrote in Christian Century, we who call ourselves Christian aspire to fulfill Christ's teaching, to do our best to be the body of Christ in the world. And it is phenomenally annoying when we encounter what I call Christians who give Christ a bad name. It isn't a new thing, she writes. The earliest Christians were torn apart by disagreements over what it meant to be faithful. Their differences were primarily over which laws of the first covenant were essential to follow and which engagements with the complex religious activities of the Roman Empire must be avoided. Disagreements included whether a Christian could marry a non-believer. No, according to 2 Thessalonians. But on the other hand, don't get a divorce according to 1 Corinthians, whether a Christian man must be circumcised according to the Abraham covenant, no, according to 1 Corinthians, and other letters disagreed, including Acts. Whether a Christian woman was free to speak in church, no, according to 1 Corinthians, but later or earlier, earlier in 1 Corinthians, women were instructed to wear a head covering when they pray or prophecy. 
whether a Christian could eat meat that had been offered to idols. It was so common a practice in the empire that by the time meat came to market, it would have been dedicated to some god. No, according to Acts, but sure if you understand that idols are not real per 1 Corinthians. I don't think that Paul is really talking about the benefits or disadvantages of being a vegetarian when he wrote, some believe in the eating anything while the weak eat only vegetables. Sure, I personally do try to do Meatless Monday and not only include more vegetables in my diet, but also to try to eat responsibly, at least according to my current understanding. But Paul was addressing an issue that was tearing the church apart in Rome. The decision to eat or abstain from certain foods pointed to a deeper understanding of the faith, and both sides believed they were right. It was a kind of culture war in the church. I don't believe that culture wars were limited to the church in Rome 2,000 years ago. We certainly are living with culture wars in our society as well. Abortion, book banning, gun regulations, transgender care, just to name a few of the cultural front lines in the news this year. Unfortunate divisions we experience in the larger society are also felt in churches. From conservative to progressive, there are cultural divides in church. I mean, seriously, how many denominations does the Christian church need? Or for that matter, how many Presbyterian denominations does our church need? Or how many different congregations when we are in so close proximity? What is the right kind of worship music? What about marriage? Which translation of the Bible should we be reading? Who gets to be ordained? Reverend Chikoyan went on to say, Paul's warning to the early Christians on either side is this. If you're going to engage with one another only to do battle, don't bother. You may loathe the decisions your fellow Christians are making, but you do not get to be the judge. The only judge that matters is the Lord to whom we are all accountable. I have spent the week telling folks that my sermon title was Judge Not. I I hope to those to whom I said it did not think I was judging them in what they were saying. In truth, I was saying it to myself, Judge Not. And I was saying, you know, judge not Judy, not judge Judy. Not that that one. (laughs) But let's admit, isn't it kind of sleazy fun to judge? The prevalence of courtroom TV, of discussing who has been indicted and who has judgments coming down in courtrooms brings that practice more and more into our everyday life. Courtrooms and arrests are meant to keep civil society in order, to exonerate those who do not break the law and to punish those who do transgress some statute. The more the media covers the case, the ickier it all feels to me. Who is right? Who is wrong? Or who is it guilty? Who's guilty? Who has a good enough lawyer to get them off? But we're not talking about civil society. Paul was talking about church life. It is often said that Sunday morning is the most segregated hour of the entire week. 
And sure, we like to be comfortable. We like to worship with music we are familiar with. And honestly, don't we like to be with people who are like us? But God's world is so much more diverse. Thank goodness. Too often the church becomes a haven for the like-minded. Our one dear friend spoke about her worship service and how her daughter didn't like being uncomfortable with the views expressed from the pulpit. It can be a struggle to worship when we do not agree. And yet... Presbyterian and author Anne Lamott once wrote, you can safely assume you have created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the people you do. She also wrote, the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. Certainty is missing the point entirely. Faith includes noticing the mess, the emptiness, the discomfort, and letting it be there until some light returns. Letting the mess hang there is uncomfortable. As a person of faith, I believe deep down that God's light will break through. It just takes some time. All too often our society has come to be about who is right, about being certain that we know the actual truth. In John's gospel, Pilate famously said, what is truth? Yes, what is truth? Paul tells us that who is right in this discussion of what to eat is not even the issue. Instead, we as fellow believers are to focus on God. Earlier in Romans, he said, if we live we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? That is the question. Why do we pass judgment? Do we feel better about ourselves if we view others who do things differently as being wrong? We are instead encouraged to focus on community, our unity in Christ Jesus. We are to focus on our commonalities. Some 10 or 12 years ago, a group of int intrepid travelers from this congregation sought out to forge a relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ in Cuba. In traveling around and visiting several congregations, they discovered that the folks at Luyano in Havana have the most in common with our congregation. This partnership, this hermanamientos relationship is different than we have had in other mission trips in the past. We do not go to Cuba to serve them. We go to build relationships, bridges of friendship that cross more than the 90 miles from Cuba to the US. Going on this type of mission trip is not about constructing a building or cleaning up an area or mending a wall. No, this type of trip is to forge enduring relationships. It is not about what we can offer in terms of skill. And frankly, our skills don't always translate. We Midwesterners are known as nice. 
the hospitality and generosity of our Cuban brothers and sisters can be overwhelming when we understand quite how much it costs. But they count not the costs. It is the relationships that we build together that are invaluable. We are treated as long-lost family returning home, even if it is the first time they've ever laid eyes on us. It is fortunate that we have 21st century tools to maintain contact when it is so difficult to be with one another. The issues separating our country's governments are complex and will take time and energy and folks way above my pay grade to resolve. But one important thing we can do is to let our Cuban brothers and sisters know we are thinking of them and holding them in our prayers. And we value their faithful example of being church for a very long time. Nearly 10 years ago, at the conclusion of the annual week of prayer for Christian unity, it's a global Christian observance observed uh, by the World Council of Churches, and it is eagerly embraced by Cuba's churches also. Host pastor, Father Roberto Ortiz wrote, God is calling us to live in unity in Jesus Christ. And he said this to a congregation of Catholics, Presbyterians, Anglicans, Baptists, Evangelicals, and Pentecostals, and probably a few others as well. In the midst, he said, of globalization and its impacts on the poor and economic injustice in all countries, it is imperative that God's people everywhere live in unity. That's just what Paul was telling the church in Rome. In this room, we are the family of God right here. We don't believe the same. All of us don't believe the same. We don't all vote the same. We don't all speak the same language, but we are a family of faith. Family of all stripes come with all kinds of issues of their own. And yet, we are called to love one another. And we get to practice loving each other right here. And then we get to go out and embody it in God's wide world. We sang a hymn a couple weeks ago that really captures this. Help us accept each other as Christ accepted us. Teach us as sister, brother, each person to embrace. Be present, Lord, among us and bring us to believe we are ourselves accepted and meant to love and live. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week. Thank you.